everyone. Welcome to another episode of The Mother Days. I am Teresa Palmer. And I am Sarah Wright Olson. You, you, back into birth stories. <laughs> yeah. Woo. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. Think of all that cash back on those overpriced kombuchas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? Uh, splurge on some fancy champagne with the gals or order fine dining to the house and watch a good true crime doco. Whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cashback credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. Nerdwallet. Finance smarter. As with all cars, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, this is our favorite subject. It is. Our favorite topic. Love me a birth. We love a birth. Yes, we do. We love talking birth. We love being at births. We love birthing. I feel like giving birth right now. (laughs) (sighs) You kind of did just a minute ago, according to what you were talking about. That was a doozy. Um, I was in the loo, everyone. Yeah. TMI, TMI. (laughs) That was a doozy. But I found that we've talked about poop almost every episode. Right. We should probably dial that back a little bit. (laughs) I mean. No, I really think that's just a part of our lives. It is. That's right. We did discuss this. Like everybody else's. I know. Well, I'm excited about our second births because they're quite different from our first birth experiences. That's true. And I wonder how many people are curious to see what we learned from our first births, what a second birth is like compared to a first birth. Obviously, everyone's births are very different. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have to say, although you're, this might not be true for you, but for me, my second birth, uh, and I hate to use the word easier, but I'm going to, a lot easier than the first birth. You know what it was? Is Second birth was actually, um, it was the birth that I really wanted. Mm-hmm. And uh, not that I like wanted that for my first or wanted that, it's just at that time, it's the birth that I needed um, because I was going through a lot of emotional uh, things in my life because I just lost my dad. 
So um, it was like a birth that I had sort of envisioned and hoped for and like the time period, the pushing period, like all of the things I sort of meditated on. I'd love to have this length of birth and I'd love to push for this long. Not that I was trying to control it, but just that um, I really wanted to enjoy it and have it be like a cleansing for me. And um, and it was. So it wasn't that it was easier, but it was beautiful and it was everything I needed. Um, let's dive into your second birth. Mine will, my second birth will be the next episode. So um, I have to start with Esme's birth story being during my pregnancy because um, so much was going on in my life. I found out that I was pregnant. I told my mom and my dad. We were so excited. Um, I told them in like December. My dad had been struggling with his health for a long time and um, and he was starting to show signs of Alzheimer's and um, at the time they were telling us it was dementia um, but it was causing a lot of cognitive things to go awry in his body. And, um, he made a joke like in December, like, oh, well, I have to stick around to see, you know, this baby. And I was like, of course you're going to stick around, you know? But at this moment he had had, um, some, you know, stuff going on where he was like on a feeding tube, which was really hard on his body. And, um, sort of went into like a health spiral over the next few months. So my pregnancy was a lot of me flying back and forth to visit my parents in Arizona. And, um, and I ended up uh, coming more frequently as his health was um, progressively getting worse and worse. I actually hired a caregiver to come in and help out because my mom was working a full-time job. And um, – and that wasn't working out. And so I ended up flying in and out like every week or every two weeks and staying for a while and taking care of him and, you know, helping my mom. And um, it was really, really hard and sad. And then I started to um, feel it physically in my body as I was pregnant. I was like four or five months pregnant. Um and I started going to I, I was seeing Dr. Berlin again, my you know body worker chiropractor who was helping me. I would come back and I'd be like, yeah, I was sleeping on an air mattress next to my dad's bed, and you know my back's all messed up. And he would adjust me, and I would talk to him. And and then one day I just started crying on the table with you know Dr. Berlin, and he was like, I was like, I feel like I need to talk to someone. Like I'm, I I I know I'm about to lose my dad, and I don't. I feel like it's going to affect my baby and I don't know what to do. And so um, I, 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 don't, I know it's not like physically going to affect her, but I knew that um, I just didn't want to be channeling all of this energy into losing my dad, like all those emotions into my pregnancy or into my baby or like what was going on in my body. And so um, I just – I asked Dr. Berlin if he had any suggestions and his wife is actually a therapist. And so – um, I started seeing Dr. Alyssa, his wife, and uh, basically what I did was go sit down in a chair in front of her for an hour every session, just cry my eyes out. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it was the first time in my life I had ever done like real therapy, mm -hmm. and it was so good. It was such a release, but I would sit there and just sob because I think a huge fear my whole life was – I kind of always knew I was going to lose my dad early and I don't know why. I would, I would like 
lay in my bed at night. And I think because he always had some health issues that I would worry about it. I'd lay in my bed at night sometimes and I remember thinking like, oh, if I lose my dad, it's going to be the end of the world. You know, it's going to mm. be so awful. And um, it used to feel like the biggest, most terrifying thing to lose him because I loved him so much. I, I love him so much. And I'm, I was so close to him. Um, and it's funny that I ended up being pregnant when he died because I think it gave me so much to um, channel my energy into. And so there's so much that I could, you know, do with that new life that was coming into the world and um, so much processing that that was going to be done. And so I just think it was a gift mm-hmm. that uh, it all happened at the same time. Um, so anyway, I ended up um, losing my dad when I think I was around five or six months pregnant. I think it was six months pregnant. He died, and um, and it was brutal. And I, um, I actually flew back home after he died with my mom, and and we had a t- some time of processing. I was with him, um, laying next to him, holding his hand, singing songs to him, reading him scripture, staying up with him at night until he took his last breath. And when he took his last breath, it was just him and I awake. Like I was awake with him. My mom was asleep next to me on the bed, and um, and I asked him to go. I just I, – I actually wrote a song about it <laughs> later, mm-hmm. and it's funny saying those words because in the song I say the same thing, but I actually like whispered in his ear and I said, you, you, you need to go. Like this is – you're holding on, but – but you okay. you can't. Your body is not. It's not work. It doesn't work anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're. It's okay. You can go. And he was so young. He was fifty three years old. Wow. So, you know, it was hard to leave my mom, to leave me and my brother. Um, I have no idea why. It was me that needed to be there with him. But he held on. I'd flown home, and then I came back and. And he held on until I got there. And then that night when we went to bed, um, it was – I just knew it was coming that night. And uh, and I I was holding his hand as he – I could hear oh. him take the last breath. Wow. Um, and then I woke my mom up and I said, Mom, he's gone. He, he's, um, he's not with us anymore. And I just remember laying there, you know, with this baby inside of me and – um, talking to her and trying to tell her, like, you know, this isn't these feelings that I'm feeling, the sadness that I'm carrying, and this has nothing to do with you. And, you know, in my mind, I was hoping because she wasn't Earthside yet that there was some way that they would meet in the universe, right? Like oh, that wow. he was going out of this world and that she was coming in. Um, so, you know, I, I wrote a eulogy for him. I read it at, at his um, memorial service a month later. And then I had this sort of cleansing time and a lot of therapy and conversations with my husband and my, my son, Wyatt, who had to say goodbye to his grandpa. Um, and then we had a couple of months over the summer where I really just took time for me and my family and, um, I focused on baby and I focused on this exciting time. Um, and as the birth was approaching, I started to get really nervous. Um, I was nervous about giving birth again. 
I was nervous mm-hmm. about, um, you know, my first birth and how that went and what's this going to be like. And I remember calling Teresa. Do you remember this when I called you? I have a really bad memory. <laughs> <laughs> remember? I told you. I don't remember anything. I know. I actually called you because I was feeling a lot of I was feeling a lot of fear. Mm-hmm. It was oh, like yes. five weeks out from the birth. I'm feeling a lot of fear. And and you told me And did I give you a suggestion? Yes, yes you did. That's right. You were like, you need to go back and read Ina Mae Gaskin. You need to go back and read this book, read the birth stories, write down anything that you need to get out about mm-hmm. why it's birth. Um Anything that's going on inside of you, you need to write it down. And so I did. And I read these birth stories and I just kind of fell back into that like, oh, this is the birthing world. Like I'm going to give birth and this is a beautiful thing. And Mm -hmm. I'm going to – I'd done so much work like in therapy where just having these conversations with Dr. Alyssa and talking about my fears and talking about – you know, separating this like end of life with new life. And, you know, it, it just end of life brings up so much for you as a human being. You stand here and you go, wow, this is the end of this person's life. The life. It's finite. Yeah. It's just, this is my, this was my, my rock, my dad. He was everything. He was so amazing. And he now is not here anymore. I can't just pick up my phone and call him. Um, and so, you know, I was – all of that's happening and processing when my baby girl is about to enter the world. And I don't know. I was afraid of like big feelings coming up while I was giving birth and all of those things. So um, so what – you know, I ended up just reading those birth stories, talking to my friends, um, and I started to feel in a groove. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to start visualizing and thinking about like the birth that I want to have. And I really wanted to have an eight-hour birth <laughs> with like 30 minutes of pushing. <laughs> yep. And um, and she was big. Like she was going to be really big. And everybody knew it. And did they tell you, oh, she's bigger than Wyatt? Were they saying that? Well, yeah. So I went in for an ultrasound at like – gosh, I feel like it was like 36 weeks or something or 35 weeks. And the, the ultrasound tech was like, uh, um, did you know this baby's really big? And I was like, yeah, yeah, my, my, my babies are, you know, typically, I don't know, big, I guess. But my, my first baby was this size. And, and she was like, well, you still have a lot of weeks to go. She's like, and you're like, he's like eight and a half pounds maybe now. She's like, which technically means that or she it technically means that when she comes out she could be like an 11 pound baby and I was like what that's (laughs) insane I was like no I was like I I do feel like she's big but I don't I bet she'll be like nine and a half pounds right or maybe 10 pounds but like an 11 pound baby that's insane you're you're crazy and so my doctor was like why did you tell her that and I was like it's fine it's fine um and this birth I had chosen you know, to have a birth at a hospital with an OBGYN um, instead of at home with a midwife, which was a totally different choice too. But uh, I really – that made me feel safe this time and it's what I wanted. And when I met with this doctor, 
He sat across from me and I said, what are you going to do if my cervix swells? And he was like, well, I'll, I'm okay. Uh, I will massage your cervix. We'll pull it back and like you can push. And I was like, okay, great. Love it. Um, what if I want to have, you know, give birth in a squat? And he's like, I'll catch the baby in a squat. And I was like, okay. And I was like, what if I want to walk around and they want to monitor me? And he's like, I'll, I'll do it. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and so I was really drilling him because um, I did not want to be restricted mm-hmm. because I was choosing to have a hospital birth if I didn't have to be. And I've heard so many stories about doctors who come in and they're like, oh, we're hooking you up and you can't get off the bed and you have to do this and that and whatever. You have to be on your back. Yeah. And so I was obviously worried about that, but I had heard such great things about this doctor, um, but I also wanted to drill him a little bit. And he's very funny. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna, <laughs> he's going to be great. He can hang. He can hang. He can hang. He can hang. All right, guys, we are a couple of tired mamas and all we do is crave a spa day and we deserve it. We always end up putting ourselves down the very bottom of our to-do list. We jump from one activity to the next and we're always meeting the needs of everyone else around us. I think it is time for a little self-pampering. This Mother's Day, make every day a spa day for all the moms in your life with Osea's Mega Moisture Duo. It's a value pack of two luxurious body care moisturizers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion, both featuring Osea's signature, uplifting, all-natural citrusy scent. I think the greatest and most thoughtful gifts are the gifts that you actually like love yourself, something that you use on yourself. And I love using the Mega Moisture Duo. It makes my skin so glowy. It's like super hydrating, firming, smells amazing. When I give my kids a hug after a bath, they're like, you smell so good. (laughs) It is my absolute favorite gift and such a great gift for Mother's Day. Yes. Folding in self-care is a moment to practice mindfulness, it's self-love, it's compassion. And we all know if you run your battery flat, it's harder to recharge. A consistent body care routine promotes healthy, glowing skin and also supports your mental health. Treat mom to the everyday spa experience she deserves with clean, vegan skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code MOTHERDAYS at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use code MOTHERDAYS for 10% off. All right. As you guys know, we are are busy mums. We are dog mums, business mums, performance mums, school board mums. Life gets hectic. That's why we rely on our tried and tested go-tos to alleviate some of the chaos. NerdWallet helps you by maximizing your everyday spending, whether it's groceries for the week, drinks with friends, or a nice family meal. Do you know how much cash back you're leaving on the table settling for the wrong credit card? Imagine earning up to 5% cash back on your groceries for the next 30 years. I mean, come on, guys. Think of all the cash back that you're going to get on those kombuchas, on those frozen pizzas. NerdWallet helps everyone make smarter financial decisions today that future you will thank you for. With NerdWallet, you won't regret missing out on rewards. 
NerdWallet lets you compare smart cashback credit cards side by side to make the most of your everyday spending. So what could future you do with more cashback? Uh, a silent meditation retreat in Peru, a sweat lodge in India, whatever it is, make it happen with a smarter cashback credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all credit cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. Spring is here and school is coming to a close and life could not be crazier. Um, So one of the things that has helped our family so much on those super packed weekends and weekdays with sports and school and all the things has been Green Chef. Green Chef is the number one meal kit for clean eating, delivering pre-portion and prep quality whole foods. Green Chef sends organic, fresh produce, responsibly sourced protein, and chef-designed recipes in every box. And for our family, we have two people who are gluten-free. So it's been amazing picking out these like gluten-free recipes with the kids. You can find clean meals to suit your lifestyle with preferences like Mediterranean, plant-based, gluten-free, protein-packed, keto, calorie-smart, and gut health. My kids love following along with the Green Chef recipes, pulling them out of the box, looking at the pictures, putting everything together. They put on their little aprons and we do it as a family. It's so fast. It saved us so much time. And it's been something really fun to do together and teach the kids new recipes. You guys can go to greenchef.com slash motherdays50 and use code motherdays50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Go to greenchef.com slash motherdays50 and use code motherdays50 to get 50% off plus 20% off your next two months. Okay, guys, check out Green Chef, the number one meal kit for eating well. And so uh, I was excited to birth with him. He knew everything that was going on with my dad. He knew when my dad passed away. He was so comforting and wonderful through that process. Um, everybody that I surrounded myself with between, you know, my the chiropractor that I went to, the therapist, my friends, like everyone in my life knew that I was caring a lot at this time. And I really felt supported by the people around me, um, which was – also just a really great gift because um, I, it was kind of one of those times in your life where you don't, you don't, I knew that I needed help. So I was asking for help. And I I knew that um, because I was pregnant, I needed people there for me. Um, so when I went, when I was <laughs> giving birth to Esme, I went into labor. I actually don't even remember. I would have to like go back to my notes or something because I I don't – I think it was like nighttime again and I had been thinking that I was going into labor for about two weeks because she was also in a weird position, also really large. Um, So for two weeks, I was calling all my friends like, oh, this is happening. Teresa, this is happening. I'm I'm definitely giving birth tonight. I was like, spinning babies. Do spinning babies. Yeah, and then it would I'd like go to bed every night <laughs> thinking that I was in labor and wake up the next morning and I would not have been in labor. Um so turns out That's right. Right? You remember? So I it do turns remember out that. she came um I went into full on labor 
around right around her due date. And um and we went I think it was at night. It was like midnight where I really started to feel it and I um got up and I went into the kitchen and I made myself a grilled cheese and I drank like a half a glass of wine. <laughs> And I hung out and talked to my friend Sonia, who was going to take care of Wyatt uh, for me while we went to the hospital. And I was like, this is this is it. This is for real this time because I was really feeling it. I was in labor. And I was like, you know, I'm going to eat this food and then I'm going to go um, lay down and try to sleep. And so I went to uh, bed and I laid down in my bed. And I tried to start falling asleep. And as I was starting to feel the heaviness of falling asleep, it was like the con- the tr- contractions just amped up out of nowhere and um, really started to feel powerful. And I was like, whoa, okay, I'm not going to sleep. And the moon was crazy bright this night. It wasn't a full moon. It was like a waning moon, but it was really bright. And when you look out of my bathroom window, you can see um, the ocean. And so the – uh, moon was reflecting on the ocean. It was so beautiful. And so I went into my bathroom and closed the doors and ran a bath and I let everybody sleep in the house. Um, and I just decided to uh, just kind of have a bath and see where this labor took me. And I had the most amazing experience riding the waves of my labor and looking out at the moon and thinking about like my dad and thinking about this baby and imagining them seeing each other or connecting in some way in in the great beyond. Um, And then, I don't know, when I look back at that night, it was um, such a, a cleansing time for me. It was a birth of my child. Um, and me saying goodbye to my father. And although that had happened months before, it's just, it, it is amazing how birth brings up so much, right? Absolutely. I laid in the bath for a few hours and then I got out and uh, I got into the shower because that sounded nice. And so I did that for a little bit. And then I leaned against the um, the counter in my bathroom and I started to feel really powerful rushes come on. And I was like, gosh, I don't even know what time it is. Like I've just got – I've lost myself in this space of riding the waves in the bath and the bath got cold. That's why I got in the shower, right? So I was like, I have no idea what time it is. It was like 5 a.m., 5.30 maybe. And so I started timing the contractions and I texted my um, doula and – she actually wasn't going to make it to the birth. Um, so I had a backup doula who I really loved, who was my postpartum doula, Janet. And uh, I texted her and she said, you know, time your contractions and tell me how far apart they are. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm timing them. And they're like three minutes apart. When am I supposed to go to the hospital? <laughs> she was like, now, <laughs> how long are they lasting? And I was like, they're like three minutes apart, lasting like a minute and a half. Oh gosh. <laughs> and she was like, oh, oh my gosh. Okay. Um, you need to grab your stuff and go get in the car and go to the hospital because you're approaching rush hour traffic, which is like six o'clock in the morning. And, um, and it might take a while to get to the hospital. And, you know, she was just – she was trying to gently push me towards going and getting <laughs> everything settled at the hospital. So 
I was like, okay. So then I went into the I went into the bedroom and I woke Eric up. And I was like, it's six o'clock in the morning. Um, I'm in full on labor. I've been laboring all night and it's time to get up. We gotta go to the hospital. And he was like, What? Really? And I was like, Yeah, um, we we gotta go. These the rushes are really big. Why didn't you wake me up? <laughs> no, he he actually was like, uh, okay, well, um, all right, I, I I'll get up. And and he was the the thing, the process in his brain was we've been through this before. This took more than two days or, you know, two two full days. And he's like, she thinks she's in full on labor and wants to go to the hospital. But like for him, he just went to sleep and woke up and was like, "Uh, you're definitely not at that spot yet, right? And I was like, well, the doula told me to go. I'm three minutes apart. Like we got to go. And then as soon as I said that to him, I went into the living room to tell Sonia um, as soon, I was like, as soon as Wyatt wakes up, bring him to the hospital and then you guys can be at the birth because he'll wake up in, in like an hour, like seven. Mm-hmm. And my body heard me say, we're going, we're leaving. And boom, <laughs> it was like all of a sudden, my contractions went from wherever they were to another level, like a crazy level. And I was like fully in my driveway waiting for Eric, like, doing my breathing, like all this stuff. It was so big and heavy. And I walked back into the house. I'm like, where is he? And Sonia was like, I think he's in the shower. And I was like, oh my God, what? And I went (laughs) back and I was like, Eric, we got to go. And he was like, he's like, okay, all right. I just had to shower. And I was like, in a shower? I'm telling you, we have to leave. And so it's 6.30. We get in the car. And I'm telling you, like there was all of these sections of my labor where it was like, okay, we're at a – seven. We're at an eight. We're at a nine. Okay. So I get into the car and it's like all of a sudden skyrockets again, goes to another level of intensity. And I can't even sit in the car. It's like the head is in a weird position. So it feels like shooting pain if I try to sit. So I turned over on all fours and I'm holding the head of the seat in the car. And my butt is like in the air back towards the the windshield. And we're driving through – morning rush hour traffic and Eric's videoing me being like oh here we are on our way to the hospital <laughs> yes he's like I'm like just get there and he was like you're doing great I was fully having conversations with him so he's like she is definitely not that far along because I'm yeah. she's very present and I was but I was also have I was riding these big waves but I was still present so we get to the hospital and we're walking, we park and we start walking up to the hospital because I don't know, it was something was weird with the parking garage or we didn't park in the parking garage. And so I'm walking a block to get into the, where the emergency room is. Oh no, that'd be right. I kind of to drop into like a squat and, uh, and then I would like stand back up again and my, like everything vocally was very animalistic and I got into the... <laughs> to the hospital and we get up to the third freaking floor where this is, right? We ride the elevator, get out. And again, I'm dropping into a squat. I'm so loud. I'm so, so loud. And the nurse at the nurse's station is like, uh, is that a second time mom? And Eric was like, yes, she is. And she goes, okay. And she gets on the thing and like calls somebody and she's like, okay, we need a room right now. Somebody, blah, blah, blah. And she's like racing us into the room and they check me and I'm eight and a half centimeters, almost nine centimeters dilated. And wow. so, yeah. And they're like, oh my God, <gasps> this is crazy. And um, 
And then Eric's like, holy shit, you know, like I had no idea oh. you're that far along. And I was like, I know, I told you. <laughs> and he wasn't, it's not like he, I was trying to tell you. <laughs> I know, but, but he's so, he was so right though in that it was, I was a completely different person in the first birth when I got to that point. As in the second birth, like I'm still talking to him, like telling him where to go in the hospital. We're having conversations. So in between these contractions, so he he would have had no clue that this was that, you know, that far along or that progressed. Um, so then we get into the, uh, my doctor gets into the room. He checks me. He's like, okay, we're there. We're at like almost nine centimeters. He's like, but there's a little bit more work that needs to be done. So if you want to get in the shower, I was like, I've already done that. I did the shower. <laughs> and I was like, I'm ready to push this baby out. He's like, okay, well, it's not time yet. Calm down. <laughs> He's like, you're not pushing the baby out yet. And I was like, okay. And he was like, move around a little bit, whatever you need to do, get comfy in the room. But like, we still have a little bit of time. And I was like, okay. Because I guess like, you dilate one way, but then you also have to, the baby has to come down towards the cervix more as the cervix is opening, right? So my friend, Dr. Berlin, actually comes up. He's a doula and he also is a body worker. And he knew that this baby was huge. And also I had just gone through so much of my life. So I asked him if he would come that morning. I texted him on the way and I said, can you meet me at the hospital? By the way, I was coherent enough to text Dr. Berlin and be like, meet me at the hospital. I might need your help with my hips, you know? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was worried. It- you took a leaf out of my type A book. <laughs> I know. I really did. Um, and he um, he came met me at the hospital and he helped work on my hips because I was feeling a lot of uh, sciatica with this pregnancy. And so, which is like this pain in your back that shoots down your leg. And so when I would have a contraction, I was actually feeling that pain towards the end, like shooting down my leg, um, which was really, it, it was actually really jarring because that, that wasn't part of the, you know, you're very prepared for the rushes, but I think when you have back labor, if you have like sciatic pain or something like that, it's not something that your body is ready for. So it feels really jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, so he came and started working on my hips for me, which was helping a lot. And my doula was there and she had a ball and I was just cracking up because I was like, it's it's as if I was like, everybody that possibly can be here, like come into the room. I need all the good energy. I need all the people. My doctor came in and I kept holding onto his shoulder and wouldn't let him go as I was like, um, you know, having my contractions and and going through these rushes or whatever. I just kept holding onto him. So he, of course, doctors usually aren't there that long during those last, like, that last hour, they might pop in for, like, 15 minutes. And I was like, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> yes. my I'm, like, holding on to my husband, you know, and I'm I'm saying, like, oh, they're so big. You know, the rushes are so big. And, like, wow, and yes, and just using all the same vocalizations that I'd used the first time. And, um, and then I started to – really transition in a big way. And um, I could feel myself opening up uh, like, I don't know, maybe it was like my hips coming apart a little bit. Like something was separating. I could feel it was very intense. 
And so my doctor checked me and um, and my cervical lip wasn't swelling, but it wasn't fully dilating open, but my body was ready to push. And so my body was starting to push the baby out, but couldn't get past the cervical lip because I was at like a little over nine and a half centimeters mm-hmm. at this point. And so um, he asked me to lay down because I had been pushing. Oh, that was the – I was pushing at the edge of the bed. And my knees were on the bed. My doctor was on my right. My husband was on my left. Eric's squirting all the coconut oil all over my butt and my baby. (laughs) Wyatt came in. Um, Sonia and Wyatt showed up. And it was like perfect timing because the baby is starting to to come down and – I, I went over and I gave Wyatt a big hug and um, he was like, yay, mama, and started cheering me on. And then I went back to the bed and and got into this position. Um, but every time I would sort of squat at the edge of the bed and bear down, um, the baby's heart rate would drop. Her heart rate would drop. And so then um, Dr. Uh, my doctor was like putting his hand in there and trying to pull the cervix to the side and let her head come down further. Mm-hmm. And so he finally, I, the baby was finally able to get past the cervix, um, but her heart was dropping when I would push. And so he was like, the nurse was panicking. Ugh. I know. The nurse started to panic and um, and I could tell something was off, but I was going into the zone. And so then I looked at my doctor in the eyes and I was like, oh no. And my, I don't know if I said it out loud or if I said it in my head, but in my, I thought like, am I not going to be able to do this? Can I not push her out? And I, I looked at him really panicked because of the nurse. And he looked at me and he goes, no, you've got this. You can do this. He's like, just follow along. You're going to be great. He's like, just keep doing what you're doing. You've got it. All the strength is there. And I was like, okay. And and then he was sort of like kindly telling me to block out all the other energy that was there because this nurse was a bit nervous about the baby's heart rate. What an amazing doctor. Oh, yeah. He was like, don't worry about it. You've got it. And I was like, okay. And so he said, here's what I need you to do. I need you to flip over on your back. I know you don't want to, but I got to do it because I have to make sure that I can get a hold of the shoulders of this baby. And I was like, okay. And so I couldn't physically move. And so everybody that was actually in the room helped to turn me over um, because my body wanted to be in a squat. Yeah. So everyone turned me over late and I got me on my back and I screamed like bloody murder because it was so intense for Ugh. someone to move me or for me to move. I know. And it was crazy. <laughs> it was so crazy, but it was amazing. So um, so then they got me over my back and I started pushing and he was like, yes. And Eric was like, oh my gosh, like I see her head, like it's right here. And then, you know, the doctor was like, touch her head. And I touched her head and I was like, oh my God, like this wasn't like last time where people were like, oh, I see the head. Like her head was there. Like she was crowning already. And so um, Eric's like squirting all the coconut oil, wiping away the poo, like Wyatt's cheering for me, Sonia's there, you know, Janet's crying, like she's so excited. Dr. Berlin's so excited. I can see everybody's faces and I just like bared down, I think maybe two more times and this 
giant Thanksgiving turkey came out of me, like an (laughs) 11-pound Thanksgiving turkey erupted from my body and um and landed on my chest and everyone was like holy shit this is a ginormous baby oh, and uh, they had it they had like a a pediatric NICU team rush in because they were like what this baby's huge and they were worried about sugar and like you know I didn't have gestational diabetes but they were like they wanted to like check her out because she was so huge and so <laughs> they're like are you sure she didn't have gestational diabetes? What? <laughs> oh, my God. I was like, no, I'm fine, guys. But doesn't your grandma, isn't there someone in your family that births massive babies? Yes. Yes, my great-grandmother. My great-grandmother. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah, so my great-grandmother is actually at my father's funeral, which is crazy. <gasps> wow. Um, and she met my son. So he met his great-great-grandmother. Wow. How cool is that? Unbelievable. Yeah, and she she died like a year like a year or two later, mm-hmm. but um, it was amazing. But she – I asked her there that day because she was like – she had had like a 10-pound, 11-pound, 12-pound, also a 14-pound baby. Like she had huge babies. What? Yes. And they all were really tall. Um. So anyway, so yeah. So she came out, put her on my body. Everyone was so excited to weigh her. I was like, just give me a minute. I was like so excited. So excited that she was um, earthside, healthy. I'd had so many – heavy thoughts in my pregnancy, just like worrying about potentially like losing my dad or losing her and like all these things. And the fact that she was here and she was healthy, like I could not have been more excited, more grateful. Um, It just felt like such a special moment. And everyone in the room was like riding that high energy, you Uh, know, like it was just heaven. Amazing. It was amazing. I, I managed to do this birth story in 30 minutes. Like, that's not bad. I know. Do you that's see amazing. That? <laughs> that is amazing. I know. I was like, I and my birth's it. really short too. So I was like, maybe we can double whammy this one. Maybe we could do it. I know. We can double whammy this this uh, birth story, birth hour. Um, yeah. So anyway, it was um, exactly the birth that I had dreamt of. It was an mm. eight-hour birth. It was 30 minutes of push – or eight-hour labor, 30 minutes of pushing – um, baby came out so healthy. It was intense and beautiful, but the night of the like laboring was one of the most beautiful nights of my whole life. Like looking back, it was just um so special. And I loved that your your instinct was to go and be alone and to have maybe that was a part of your mm-hmm. healing process was that I wanted to go be alone be with all these thoughts, be with my body and my baby, process everything with your dad. And like having the moon shining down on the water, that just sounds so incredible. Such a, what a moving experience for you. It was. It was really moving. And and I honestly really, I needed it so bad. I needed the – that experience because it was really hard for me to let him go. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard to be the child that was taking care of your parent yeah. at such a young age. Like I felt so young to be losing my dad, um, but it was hard. It was just really hard to like 
to be there and to see that that all happen and to know like you're not going to be here any longer and you're not going to be a part of my life and you're not going to be part of my mom's life and you know it's just weird like we were a, we were four humans that were together as this family the family unit and we did so much together in our childhood i felt so lonely to be losing that piece because it was such an important piece of our puzzle so um so then asme brought us uh ginormous blue eyes that look just like my dad's which is just crazy mm. how that happens they're just sparkly and light blue um and she has the most amazing personality and uh i just feel so blessed to have that baby girl and um in that experience so thanks for listening to Aww. my esme olivia olson birth story everybody <laughs> She's heaven. She's one of the funniest little girls I've ever met. She's very funny. She's a netball. Ah, oh, gorgeous. What a beautiful story. Thank you. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Okay, so we are going to jump into my second birth story because um, Esme's story was quite short and mine is also short compared to our first births. <laughs> we both had like, what, two-day long first births? That's right. And then much shorter second births. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so uh, I will be telling you the story of Forest Sage Palmer's birth story, uh, December 12th. 2016. Um, I was, uh, well, before I should talk a little bit about the pregnancy because right after I had Bodie, I was so obsessed, so in love, and was ready to start talking about having my second baby. Um, And I probably was ready to have a second baby a good three weeks after I had given birth to my first baby. I was in heaven, bliss bubble, ready to go again. Um, but we actually had some secondary infertility and I'll talk about that on a different episode. But we also went through a pregnancy loss uh, when my son, when Bodie was about 14 months old, um, we also went through a pregnancy loss and that was really devastating. And so getting pregnant with Forrest, finally, it felt like finally, um, you know, for us, it it was a, maybe an 18-month process. And I know many people go through much, 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 much longer uh, challenging 
infertility periods in their life. But for us, this was, I was getting to the end of my rope with um, these disappointing pregnancy tests month after month. And finally, uh, we got pregnant and it was so exciting. Um, And I got to around my 36th week in pregnancy and there was someone in my life who had lost a baby around that same uh, period in their pregnancy. And it was really arresting and, and, and just confronting and I was overcome with grief for uh, this person in my life. And um, all you want to do is you want to show up for that person and that experience and but also try not to take on board any of those fears. And I think I was... Um, you know, I'm, I'm a, I guess the way I've navigated through challenging times in my life is to stuff a lot of my feelings. And over the last few years, I've gotten much better at unpacking them as they come up and sort of looking into them and resolving the issues and, um, and getting vulnerable. And I I think with this baby, I just sort of blocked everything out and I just kept moving forward until it got towards the end of my pregnancy and I realized like, oh, I'm, I can feel in my body that I am holding on to fear and I'm having nightmares and I'm crying a lot and I'm really so nervous that something is going to happen to this baby that is so beloved and I um, am so excited to have him and I just, the fear of what happened in my first birth and am I going to have a retained placenta? Am I going to have to go to the hospital again? Am I just, it all, the narrative started (laughs) and the little committee in my mind started going, you know, racing, racing, racing. So I actually ended up doing a fear clearing when I was about 38 weeks pregnant. And, um, that involved having someone come to the house with me and we did some Reiki and we really looked at my whole body and where I was holding tension and I was holding a lot of it in so many places and especially my solar plexus and my throat and my voice and I just realized there was a lot there um, to take a look at and so there was um, some things that I had to release I think because of my pregnancy loss and because of the negativity I'd been holding on to because of the infertility journey. It was just um, a really beautiful thing that I decided to do for myself and I just knew that it would lend itself to having a positive birth experience if I could liberate myself from some of the anxiety and the fear. Um, And I have to say I felt like a new person. Um, Coming into that 39th week, I felt really light and just completely ready and settled sitting in my body and just in a place where I knew that I'm feeling my best emotionally and mentally to welcome this baby Earthside. So my due date came and went. I was four. I think (laughs) this is something I will never do again (laughs) is tell people when my due date is. And because I was doing these pregnancy vlogs, everyone was very familiar (laughs) with when I was due. And I was very open about my due date. That's true. Um, and this baby was due on my best friend's birthday. And I was like, oh, I'm going to have the baby on, you know, the, the 7th of December. It's going to be amazing. Um, and then that date came and went. And um, I 
remember my husband was on FaceTime with um, my friend Frankie, who is also the mum of my stepson, Isaac. So she's a part of our family. And so she was like, I'm so excited for the baby. Is the baby here yet? And it was just a very normal question. And I was 40 plus five and she asked Mark and I overheard her say, is the baby here yet? And because I'd been having all these fears about losing my baby, um, stillbirth, and I had read this study that morning that, oh, you know, if you go past 40 weeks, the likelihood of having a stillbirth goes up and it increases. So I started I just burst into tears. I heard that. I went into the bath and I oh. just burst into tears and and the and I could feel the fear taking over me, like wrapping me up yeah. tightly around my body. I could just feel it. And Mark came in and was like, this baby's coming when this baby's going to come and we're going to stop listening to any outside noise and he's going to arrive yeah. in his own divine timing. I was like, you're right. And then he left to do something and I'm in the bath and I was like, oh, what is that? about 30 minutes later, I was like, oh, that was a cramp. And then I started feeling these cramps and it was about 9 a.m. in the morning. I'd had a really amazing sleep. Um, Woke up, got triggered, cried, had a bath, in the bath, was like, ooh, crampy. (laughs) And I was like, ooh, I started getting a little bit excited. Um, And then Bodhi came in the bath and I was starting to move my body and I was like, wow, these feel, these feel pretty consistent. I'm like, oh, whoa. I started vocalizing a little bit. And this was about 10 minutes in, started at nine, 10 minutes oh in. Oh my God. I was like, you, you were ready. I was like, wow. <laughs> game oh. Yeah. I was like, hang on a second. What is happening? Um, and then I decided not to tell Mark because I didn't want to get his hopes up. And I also didn't want to get my own hopes up. So of course, I said to Bodhi, I was like, hey, why don't we get out of the bath? and go for a hike on our property. And we live on this beautiful property in Australia. We have 10 acres of land and it's that rugged Australian bush. Um, And people in Australia just know what that's like. It's, you know, the terrain is just wild and overgrown and we don't have a manicured backyard at all. It's just like wild and feral. And I was like, let's put our boots on. Yeah, it looks very fairy, fairy forest. Yes, yes, very much so. So I chucked my my RMs on and we started trudging up the hill and I'm walking up this hill and I'm out of breath and I'm holding onto trees and I'm like, oh, like really starting to feel these big waves and Bodhi's singing with me and we're doing it together and I've got video footage of me saying, oh, I think I'm in labor. Um, But then every three minutes, I start timing them on my app and I was like, wow, wow, that's pretty intense. And I was like, I'm just going to keep going out in nature. I'm finally having that hippie nature birth that I want to do. (laughs) Woo, this is fantastic. Um, And I just kept going deeper and deeper into the scrub. And then I got into like a blackberry bush and I'm sort of attached, my T-shirt's attached to the blackberry bush and I'm starting to labor, but it's actually getting too wild out there for me. I was like, I just, I'm not comfortable. I'm not this nature is not what I'm feeling right now in fact I just want to go back in the water and so I ended up coming back down the hill and I'd only been for maybe 15 minutes but they were really ramping up and um I said to Mark like 
I'm getting in the shower. I'm going to go, I'm going to do what I loved in my first birth, which was on the birth ball. It's with the shower on. Like I'm, I'm going to do that. So my mum came down from the granny flat and she was hanging out with Bodhi and I let my my doula, who's my best friend cat, I text a cat and I was like, oh, I think it's on. I think today's the day. And she was like, okay, cool. I'll be there in 40 minutes. And then the plan was <laughs> to have a um, water birth at the birth centre which is located inside the hospital in Adelaide, which is a really cool program. It's the midwifery program. And I had this great midwife called Julie Schiller, who I love, who's a dear friend of mine. She actually contributed to our book as well. Um, and so I, I knew that Julie is just amazing. She's so safe. But also she had warned me second births tend to come a little bit faster. So make sure you get into the car on time because I was about 35 minutes drive from the hospital. I was like, yeah, yeah, sure, sure, sure. So got in the shower and I had three very strong contractions where I was really vocalizing. And then on the fourth contraction, and they were really fast at this point, I'm not timing because I'm in the shower and I'm just doing it alone. Um, The fourth contraction, I felt this wave of fear at the peak of it. It was so strong that I suddenly became really afraid of the intensity. I was like, whoa, that is wild. And I kept thinking, oh, my gosh, I have a whole day, maybe two of this to go. And if this is where this is at already, I was like, I I just, those fear thoughts started coming and infiltrating my space. So I I was like, right, this isn't working for me. I'm going back into the bath. So I went back in the bath and then I used all my visualization. So I kept thinking about being in the ocean and I'm riding the waves and I have my eyes closed and I would I would dance from one, kind of what you said, I was rocking from one side to the other, yeah. um, moving my belly round and round and also timing it. And I noticed that my app was like, get ready to go to the hospital. And I was like, oh, whatever. Whatever, it's just an app. It doesn't know what it's talking about. And then I took a a few more. I had a few more big waves and I was just really exiting the room. I had gone to another another stratosphere um, and I was (laughs) doing all my work and my affirmations and really just enjoying myself even though it was so strong. And the, the most incredible part of this was I wasn't feeling anything in my back nothing. It was all wrapping at the front of my tummy. And that sort of wave I could handle. I loved it. Um, It felt productive and I could not feel a thing in my back. So I knew that all of the work I'd been doing in the lead up to this birth to try and turn my baby from posterior to anterior had obviously worked. He was in an optimal birthing position because these contractions just felt strong and wonderful but right up at the front and, and down the bottom where I, I had read about in all of these Ina Mae Gaskin stories I had read that that's what to expect. So I'm in there I'm having it I'm, I'm doing the uh, timer again and then all of a sudden my apps like beep beep like beeping at me and it says call an ambulance call an ambulance and I was like what is no. going on? So my what? My friend comes in and she's like, listens to two contractions. And so my bestie, she's not an official doula, but she is a paramedic. And um, she came straight in. She goes, hey, Tess. She calls me Tess. 
hey, Tess. And I was like, hey, I'm just in the zone. And she turns around and leaves immediately. And I was like, oh, my gosh, she's just gone. And I didn't know what she was doing, but she had gone to search for Mark, who, funnily enough, just like Eric, was in the shower. And we're just having this leisurely shower like and he has these very long showers he was in it for an hour he was doing his hair he was massaging his face wash into all of his beautiful pores on his face he was scrubbing up dubbing with his coffee scrub whatever he was doing and cat opened the door he was naked ripped open the door was like get out of here right now weber and he was like, whoa, Kat. And he was like, right now, we're getting in the car. We're going to the hospital. And he was like, oh, my, oh God. my God. He was like full naked. She was just like, I don't give a shit. Get out now. I am yeah. not doing a roadside yeah. delivery with my best friend. <laughs> um, so she came and she whipped me out of the bath. Didn't even really tell me. She just yanked me out of the bath, was like, wrap me in a towel. All right, Tess, we're actually going to get going now. We're going to put on these pants. We're going to put on this T-shirt. And I was like, I can't go anywhere. I was like doing, I'm like omming. I'm I'm crawling <laughs> oh on the my ground. God. I'm crawl like I can't, I'm not even on my feet at this point. I'm just crawling and rocking like oh. <laughs> you should have been at the <sighs> hospital probably like an hour ago. <laughs> I know. I know. And so I'm crawling to the car and Bodhi, there's a photo of me just like with my eyes closed <laughs> on hands and knees, and Bodhi just hugging me from behind, like thumbs up. And I was just he was supposed to be oh. at the birth as I'm sure you can guess uh, he didn't make it to the birth but um my photographer my birth photographer was on a plane flying (laughs) currently to meet me at the hospital so she was flying from Sydney she still had an hour and a half in the air until she landed and so Kat grabs me chucks me in the car just like you I couldn't sit down so I was on my hands and knees. It was a three-row vehicle and it was a <laughs> it was a sponsored Audi. So I was like doing like the face of Audi and pretty funny <laughs> what happened in that car. We very quickly had to give it back and swap it out for a different vehicle because anyway, oh, you'll find out soon. Oh, my God. I'm in the back seat hugging with my head between the seats just as you were saying. And I remember like Mark zipped out so quick and Kat was in the back with me and she was giving me my cold flannels on my head and, you know, light touch massage. Like, Tess, you're doing so well. You're doing so, so, so well, girl. Like, keep it up. Yep, keep breathing, you know, being so sweet. Meanwhile, she's like panic texting her ambulance friends. It's like, who can meet us? We're going to be on the side of the road. We'll be on Sturt Road in about 15 minutes. Bring the ambulance. Like we're going to be doing a roadside delivery. Um, and But then also keeping me totally oh calm. I had no idea. The music right. was on. And then Mark decides for some reason not to use the GPS so he just thinks he's going these like back roads oh, no. of the country and Kat is like, where are you going? He's heading in the wrong direction. And I have this flannel oh, no. like flopped over my face covering, which is a face washer in America. I have it flopped over my face. I lift up the flap. There's video <laughs> footage. I just lift up a little flap and I'm like, use that GPS. Like yell at him. flop it back down again, get back into the zone. And then finally we're pulling up. We're almost at the hospital. Um, Kat has like had this 
ambulance try and meet us en route, but then she was like, no, I think we're fine. I think we're fine. We're, we're five minutes away. We're probably going to make it. And I get, we pull up, Mark's already done, and he's pulled into the wrong place. He's pulled into the university, which is right, the turn off before the hospital. And Kat's like, you're in the uni. Turn around. What are you doing? We don't have time to lose. Like, please, like, didn't you do oh this route God. and practice it a number of times? And Mark's like, I'm sorry, I'm stressed. I don't know. He's like, no, not once. <laughs> He's like, I didn't. And I don't know where I'm driving. I'm in Adelaide. I'm driving on the other side of the road. What is happening? Um, so we finally pull up. My midwife, I see my midwife running down. Obviously, Kat had called her, running down the hall, being like, I need a wheelchair. Um, and as we pull up, she opens the door and I just hear this massive pop and just I ex it's like an explosion of just like water, pee, I don't know what. It's just gone everywhere. And I was like, I think my water broke. And Kat's like, you think correctly. That did happen. And then I was like, I think we should get her to check me because I could be at five centimetres. And Kat's oh like, God. You're not at five centimeters. You don't need to be checked. Like, you're almost there. Um, and finally, someone finds a wheelchair and I'm, I get put in the wheelchair and I'm. How do you get in a wheelchair? I am waddling. I'm waddling halfway because they're looking. Someone's like running around trying to find a wheelchair. I'm waddling halfway and every 10 steps I am my body, I am not doing it myself, my body is bearing down. It is like, yeah. like push it. And it was unlike anything I've ever felt before because I didn't have that feeling in my first birth. I didn't know yeah, the, yeah. The, the fetal ejection feelings at all. I just didn't <laughs> have that. So it's, I'm like, oh, right. my body's pushing. And Mark's like, the baby is definitely coming. And luckily um, my midwife knew that this was all happening. She had the birth pool all filled up, ready to go. And she was like, please just don't have the baby in the hallway. You're going to have a water birth. You just have to make it to the birth suite. And I kept stopping. To I'm the like, room. I, gotta yeah. do, I just have to do it now. I got to just push the baby out now. Finally, the the wheelchair arrived. They put me in the wheelchair. I can't really sit down. I'm sort of like propping myself up with my hand at my vagina. Does it like feel like you're sitting on the baby's head at this totally. point if you do that? Yes. And yes. I, okay. I can That's, feel I, me too. like I can feel a, like a bowling ball, right? It's just a bowl. Yeah. In and I your can, vagina. In my yeah. vagina. And I stick my fingers up there and I can feel the head. And I'm like, holy shit, like this is about to happen. Um, and she's like running me down this hallway with Mark, finally get into the pool. And Kat has had to like park my car somewhere because Mark and I just got out. We just left it in the ambulance bay. It's just like blocking the ambulances. So she's had to run back and park it. Um, I get in the water and just sweet relief. It was, oh, the best. I just felt weightless. And I was like, oh, Mark put the playlist on. And and then it was on. Um, it, I, f I could feel his head. I, we only just made it. And then I started remembering all the Ina Gaskin things um, because I was terrified of tearing again because of the vaginal trauma that I had first birth. Um, yeah. And so I started, I went back into my head, I went back into, you know, the inventory of different tools 
and remember, okay, slow it down, slow it down, slow it down. So I took a lot of breaths. I got, I tried to calm the adrenaline uh, because everything had happened so fast. And I was like, the baby's coming. But I knew that if I kept up with the speed of how things were unfolding, I could potentially risk tearing again. So what I did was I got in the water, I did nipple stimulation, I sat with my husband, I listened to the music and I just like really used my breath and I could feel that he was ready to start coming down. So I I did my two breaths that I like to do when I push my babies out. So with this birth and the two subsequent births, I've been using this breath pattern so I alternate between the breath, the, the doggy pants, the <laughs> that kind of breath, and then the horse yeah. lips, which Ina Mae talks about. Loose lips means loose vagina lips. Um, so, yes, that, exactly. Um, so I would alternate between those and in between my midwife, Julie, would be like, all right, a couple of little grunts, like give us some grunts and pushes but not too strong don't don't push this baby out all at once because you could tear let's just do some smaller pushes just to get him right to the point where you would feel the ring of fire and then stop if you get to that point stop so I did that I pushed I got him right to that point but then I started feeling such a burn at the at the very top right where I tore last time. And I said to Julie, that was the mm. moment where I started sort of panicking. I was leaning back on Mark and I was like, I can, it feels like I'm going to tear. It feels like I'm going to tear right at that spot. She was like, okay, what I want you to do is instead of leaning back on Mark, I want you to come on all fours. So move forward and it will bring the pressure of the head off of the front of your vagina and it will equalize mm-hmm. the pressure. It will balance it out. And so I just listened to her and I did that and I felt immediately the pressure come right off the front and I felt really empowered in that moment. I knew, all right, I think I'm going to be okay. I'm not going to tear. And she said just a few more of the breath patterns, a couple more pushes and he's going to be here. So I was like, I'm doing my horse lips. And then um, I did two little pushes and he just gently came out and I could feel his head in my hand and I sort of guided him out really slowly and she was like keep it slow keep it slow breathe him out pushing and breathing these really small little pushes which you can do when your baby is a lot smaller than yours Sarah (laughs) he was he was my biggest baby but he was still not a 10 pounder or an 11 pounder so my pushes they didn't have to be so wild and strong they were they were slightly forceful but they weren't massive and he just I just guided him out through the water and he came up and onto my chest and I just it was the most surreal feeling and I looked at the clock and I realized that from that moment in the bath of crying like oh I'm not gonna have my baby like when's the baby coming that was at 9 a.m and it was now 12 21 p.m no so the from the very first niggle of anything 
it, it was three hours and 21 minutes from <gasps> even the first cramp that I had. Oh, so my gosh. I know. It was so when you so got rapid. to the hospital and you got into that bath, how much time was that experience? Like, so that was, I got to the hospital at 12. Mm-hmm. Okay. And the baby came out at 1221. Oh my um, God. <laughs> yeah. So we really did only just make it. Oh um, my but that gosh. was my own. I think that was probably my own fault because I was assuming I had so much longer ahead of me. Right. And I think Mark probably thought that too. Yeah, and same I just with wasn't Eric, listening to my me. app. Yes, with Eric too. <laughs> exactly. And my app was like, call an ambulance. I was like, whatever. Stop being so dramatic. Oh my God. Like, and your I app really, was so right. <laughs> it was so right. But I have to say, because I didn't have any back labor, it was, it felt so manageable. This yeah. birth, if you could, it was my easiest of all four births. Um, it was just this dreamy, beautiful birth that I couldn't, even my when I wrote out my dream birth, it far surpassed what mm. I ever could have asked for in terms of a birth. So I wow. was shocked. I was, I really felt shock. I was so elated and laughing and crying and it was just so surreal. I kept looking at everyone like, did did that just happen? And Kat was just laughing. She was like, that was wild. I cannot believe that baby came out so fast. Um, but wow. he did come out so fast and he actually ended up having to go to the uh, baby nurse because he... Um, I guess was very shell-shocked. It was such a fast labor for him that he went from just being snug as a bug in that little belly to out and into the water and into my arms in three hours and 20 minutes that he was quite, um, I guess when he came out, he seemed fine and he was very quiet. He was on me and we were looking at him and I could see I was just so excited and laughing and looking at him and he was looking at me. He was just looking up at me and it's so his personality now, just like quiet and observant. And um, But I could see out the corner of my eye Kat and uh, my midwife, Julie, like have a little sidebar and then she came over and she was like, blow in his face, just blow in his face a couple of times, mama, just just blow in his face, like wake him up a little bit. And I was like, okay. So I blew in his face. And then I could see that she was rubbing him quite a lot. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you know what? I'm just going to, I, you know, the cord has stopped pulsing. I'm just going to cut this cord if that's okay with you. And I just want to take him over here for a second. I'm just going to check him out. And um, what she had said to Kat was like, hey, can you go get Nick you to come down, the doctors mm. to come down. Mm. And I was just like on my birth high, like, of oh my gosh. Oh my um, and my, I was looking over at the baby and I knew he was, I knew intuitively that he was fine, but Mark is a panicker. So he went over there and was like, is everything okay? What is happening? Yeah. Why is he not crying? How come, you know, and he let out like sort of a bit of a pitiful cry. Um, and then they came over, gave him a bit of oxygen, rubbed him up, and he went pink really quickly. And I could see from where I was sitting that he really had a lot of good color. But they said to me, look, you know, get showered up. We are just going to take him to observe him for an hour or two. We think he's just a little bit shell-shocked and um, you can come and visit 
you know, whenever you're cleaned up. And I was like, okay. So that's what happened. And, you know, Kat had disappeared out to go and get the doctor and came in and Kat is a paramedic and she was like, his colour's amazing, he's fine, it's totally cool. And so I think it was a little bit sobering at the time because we had just had this incredible birth and then all of a sudden switching gears into is everything okay, is he fine? Um, And luckily absolutely everything was fine. Um, I Even my placenta came out. She got me out of the water. There was a little bit of blood in the water and I think it's harder for them to tell how much the mother is bleeding when they're staying in the water. So oftentimes midwives will pull you out to just assess that there's not too much blood. Um, And she was expecting maybe to have to give me some Pitocin to help bring the placenta down since I had a retained placenta in my previous birth. And if you've had one previously, there's a higher chance you could have it in subsequent births. But I was lucky. I um, felt the urge to push the placenta out, came out really quickly. I didn't tear at all, not even a grace. What a dream. Everything was intact and I felt totally great. I went straight to the shower. I washed my body. I washed everything off, put myself, I was in a robe and I just walked down the hall to go and see my baby and I, I tandem nursed. For the first time, my birth <laughs> photographer arrived <laughs> like 40 minutes after I'd given birth. Oh she God. met me there and she like drove from the airport, met me there. I was like, oh, she's also Gemma who photographed us for our book as well. Yeah. Um, she was like, oh, my God, I can't believe I missed the entire birth. But she did get some beautiful postpartum pictures yeah. and my first time tandem nursing Bodhi and Forrest mm. and like everyone who was meant to be there missed the birth apart from Kat. Well, yeah, it was a 20-minute 20, 20 birth, so. <laughs> yeah, um, Kat and my other really good friend Claire, she did happen to see the very end and luckily she filmed it so I have the last five minutes on oh, film. So good. Um, but it was, it was heaven and it was healing and gorgeous and divine and such a special birth. Um, and I feel very, very grateful. I remember talking to you after and you were like, oh, poor Mark. He was so vulnerable. You could tell he was so scared. And I that like has stayed with me thinking about – when I think about forest birth, I think about that because mm-hmm. I'm very similar to Mark. My I get very nervous too about things. Like Mark and I will be like, oh, don't get too close to the edge of that waterfall, you know, and like Eric and, and I'm like, go explore. Like, let's jump. Let's jump off the oh, yeah. waterfall, guys. <laughs> We're yeah. like, uh, hello. Um, so it's, I don't know. I like really feel for him in that moment because I, mm. I know that that's really, and probably, you know, he's probably riding a high from being, the dad, but also probably a very different high than what we, you know, as the birthing moms are feeling. The endorphins. We, yeah, we have all these endorphins and stuff that have been released. And so. the, oh my God, it's over. I did it. Like I know. That. It feels so good. You know, that moment when it's like done, you're like, oh, nothing feels better. <laughs> I know. And I remembered like telling my dad, I was like, I had the baby. Yeah. My dad was like, what? Because he he had like FaceTimed me for, we had like FaceTimed for breakfast. Yeah, I was like eating breakfast, nothing. So then it's like I gave birth at lunch and then I was home eating dinner with a baby. Yeah. And I FaceTimed him <laughs> as I was eating my food and I'm having dinner. I was like, oh my God, I had the baby. Like the baby came today. He's mm-hmm. like, 
What happened? What? That's insane. It was really insane. I love it. Anyway, it was a beautiful experience. And as you can see, first births and second births can be radically different. Very different. I mean, <laughs> it's so I'm I um love telling and listening, as you know, to uh, birth stories. And that one is that is such a fast-paced, crazy birth story. It, it, like, yeah. it's bananas. I, and I mean, bananas. I have another friend who births, um, like, like Anna. she births really <laughs> fast. You know? Oh yeah. <laughs> and when she goes into labor, and then the baby's there, like, you know, fifteen minutes later, and you're like, what? <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> it's not that fast, but it is like an hour, an hour or an hour or two. So. Um, it's just so wild. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild how different everybody is. How different everyone's experience can be. Yeah. That's why yeah. reading reading birth stories and listening to birth stories is so amazing yes. because you you hear all these so different good. experiences and you're like, maybe mine will mm-hmm. go this way, maybe mine will go that way. But then at the end of the day, <laughs> it just so is your own unique experience. That's true. Yeah. What however it is. Exactly. And to have it in your back pocket, like, oh, yeah, I heard that woman talk about, you know, that thing happened to her and she had to pivot. And in this woman's birth, you know, that went really smoothly. But then in the other ones, like that was much more challenging. It's great to have just a whole smorgasbord of stories. And then you know that you can be anywhere from this point to that point and whatever it is, it's supposed to be your birth story. So, And I will say, I feel like we should say here, um, although Teresa and I both have, you know, birthed naturally we, and we didn't um, use like an epidural or um, have a C-section, like it doesn't – It we think that every birth is beautiful. Whatever your choice is, whatever makes you the most comfortable, whichever way that you um, feel connected to to bring your baby into this world. One of the most beautiful birth stories I've heard was from a friend of mine who had an epidural and had this amazing experience with her husband um, as, you know, where they chatted and laughed and ate and hung out and had this amazing like, – watched a show. Yeah, like before the baby came into the world. Like there is – there's so many ways to do it. And just because we're telling our birth stories and they're both, you know, births that didn't use an epidural, I just don't want you guys to think that that's something that we're like, oh, you shouldn't do that, you know. It just happens to be our stories. Yeah. We advocate for whatever birth you feel comfortable having. That's right. Informed birth. And informed birth. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we always use that, don't we? Informed birth. Think about all the things and where will you most feel safe? That's right. I I remember hearing that from Dr. Berlin. He very much uh, talks about that all the time is having an informed pregnancy and informed birth. And however, it, yeah, however it makes you feel the most comfortable. That's right. Thanks for joining us for our second baby's birth stories. You can follow along with the Mother Days so you don't miss a single episode. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Bye, Daisy. Bye. Bye. Thank you.